generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. Hebrews 12, from verse 12 through 17. Therefore, strengthen the hands. I wanted to get this for context, right? Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated. So whatever is going to be expressed here, instructed here, admonished here, revealed here, must be understood in the context of what he's saying because whenever you treat a text out of context, you do injustice to the counsel of God. You know, that's why people have taken Bible verses and claimed prophecies that God never made. So every text must be understood within the frame of a context. So it says the reason this instruction is important is that there are hands that are feeble that need to be strengthened, knees that are feeble that need to be empowered to make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather what? Rather healed. Pursue peace with how many people? Now, if I say pursue something, what does it mean? Tell me, please. Is running away. How many of you have found yourself in relationships where there was just no peace? Oh, you're not here. Maybe this is the wrong service. Relationships where there was no peace. The more you were running after it, what was happening? God would not have told you to pursue peace if peace was standing waiting for you. If the peace was great, I say peace, so please, oh. P E A C E. If the peace. was around you and was going to visit you and come to your environment God would not have said pursue peace with how many people and holiness now when he says pursue holiness what is he talking about here he's not saying pursue the nature of righteousness being expressed as holiness he's saying that whatever you are dealing with whatever you are related or however you are relating with people you want to ensure that your relationship with them carries the same signature as God. God is holy. He's thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. Three times for emphasis does not mean holy, holy, and holiest, right? God doesn't increase in holiness. He's holy, right? So he's saying that in your dealings with men, deal with them as God would deal with them. Don't deal with them the way you feel. to deal with them the way I feel. Because I think that what happens sometimes is that people get scared thinking that God just takes rubbish all the time. So, ah, pursue peace. Just accept whatever. And that's not what it's saying. I'll explain that. It's that pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That means that if you don't pursue God's character or nature or expression in that relationship, you will not see God in that relationship. What God wants to do out of that union, he will not, it will not come into manifestation because whatever God reveals, he reveals from the premise of his person. 
If a person is holy, then the context of expression is holiness. That means that if I'm in a troublesome relationship and for every trouble they give me, I just give them trouble, I am reducing the possibility of seeing the hand of God heal that relationship. Paul put it this way. He said, do not be overcome with evil. Rather overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. And then he said, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root. So this is why he wanted to pre present, prevent all of that. He said, lest any root of bitterness springing up should do what? cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Now how many of you have been in a bitter fight with one person before but it became a family fight? Then it became a community fight. It became a congregation fight. Then it became an ethnic fight. Do you know that many ethnic wars started as personal differences? The enemy is looking for a crack in the wall of your relationships so that the serpent can bite. Ecclesiastes says that he that breaks the hedge, what will happen? The serpent will bite. Right. So God raises relationships sometimes as building blocks around us. And when there is a breakdown in the way those relationships function, it becomes an avenue for the whisperer. What does the word say in Proverbs? That the whisperer separates the chiefest of friends. In other words, the tightest of pals. So for married people, before you carry the gist of your wife and your husband outside, carry it to God. I'm not saying there are no context in which certain cases will not require a third person intervention or mediation. But the person has to be spiritually mature with a proven character. I'm not talking about an intellectual theological technician. proven character because some people their mouths are as open as their spirits so they get your secret but they then know the way to the secret place so this is important it says it's going to defile many congregations have been wiped out because of the difference between choir leader and choir led Some people, the only time they are led is when they buy TV. LED. Does anyone not get it? It says that the, it's a root of bitterness. Now, when you think about roots, where do you find roots? Where do you find roots? Now, what some other believers do is that they will say, Should be God said, I should love everybody. Should be God said, I shouldn't fight anybody. So they don't resolve the issue, but they keep the roots inside. God is not against you being angry. He said, be angry, but do not sin. And see, there's a dimension of relationship that is not just mercy, but also justice. The fact that God forgives you does not mean that you don't bear the consequences. So if you sleep with somebody you're not married with and you get pregnant, the blood of Jesus will not erase the baby. Say, Lord, if you have forgiven me, let this baby vaporize. 
No, the Lord will use that baby. <laughs> you will carry the burden. So we'll still talk about mercy and justice and resolution and all of that. I'm just trying to give you an overview of the way God thinks about relationships because some of us, we don't have the emotional spine to stay in the same boat with people we do not agree with. So any small thing, cut them off, cut, cut. To a dance step. But here's the deal. If you keep cutting people off, you will cut yourself short. How do I know? Ephesians 3 says that you may comprehend with how many of the saints? Oh, so there are dimensions of divine revelation that are intentionally hidden in other people other than you. Intentionally. So that you can commune with communion, say the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, communion. And God said, let us make man. So the fullness of the Godhead is not expressed through individual expression. Ah, I don't need any church over me. I don't need any pastor. Me, my spirit pastors my soul. My soul evangelizes to my body. My body delivers my world. Me, I'm walking fivefold ministry. In fact... <laughs> Me, myself, and I, Church of God. Never, never. See, let me tell you, the mystery of fellowship is so, watch this, is so deep that when Jesus dies on the cross, there's even community. He doesn't die alone. There are two people, there's community. So not everybody who's around the cross will get to heaven. So there's the community of those who got on the cross, but they're not repentant. They're those who got on the cross, they're repentant. Both of them had access to Jesus. Only one person made it to life. Are you understanding this? So, this is extremely crucial, and a lot of people have not been taught how to resolve these differences that we must have. The word says that offense must come. Why must offense come? Because there is a level of maturity you will never grow into until you're offended. Some of you think you're so loving and kind and forgiving until somebody offends you. One of the ways some of you actually know you have a lot of work to do is that ordinary fat that somebody farted in the office. You knew the person, but you've not spoken to the person since then. No. Only so. Ordinary. Well, I'm not diminishing that. I mean, you know, let's get on pause and all of those kind of things. I'm just saying that even natural stuff. So here it says, lest anyone, any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So the root of bitterness will produce the fruit of defilement. It will defile people. What's the first thing that the root of will defile the heart in which it's in. Remember, you understand? And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. So do you know that when people are offended, they try to paint people bad? You aware of that? Where is it coming from? The mouth is the paintbrush. The heart is the receptacle of the pain. The words are the paint. A painter cannot paint anything apart from quality of the paint he has. So when the heart has been defiled and corrupted, 
even sometimes when ministers are preaching, the bitterness is coming out. Are you understanding that? So, an issue that is between a minister and one church member, they now announce it to 500 people. Then people that were not even there, they now start saying, ah, what is going on in this church? <laughs> yeah? You understand? And then it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies, and multiplies like a cancer to the gangrene. It says, so that that will not happen lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Now, we're not told that Esau slept with somebody who was not married to here. So there is no conclusive evidence that he's talking about the act of sin as in the act of fornication. But it's very likely it is because it's literal. However, there is the possibility that whether there was a literal act of fornication or not, that the process of what's fornication? Funny communication, right? Or intimacy without commitment. Because when people are offended, they make strange bedfellows. So when people become gossip or gossipers or gossips, they can sit with people they don't like just to badmouth the person. That's why every friendship built on gossip is going to fall apart. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> so fornication there may not be sleeping with somebody, but it's exposing your private areas to somebody you have no covenant with. Somebody you're not in league with by destiny definition, by divine appointment. So my, my phone keeps talking itself, so. Now let's go to the book of Titus chapter 3. I just want the word to speak for itself. Titus chapter 3, 1 to 8. Give us a few points. How do you love Christ? Titus 3, 1 to 8. These are foundational truths. Foundational instructions. Toby, you understand? I get it. It's easy connecting. How many of you feel a little exposed based on what I'm saying? Just feel just a little. Come on, be honest. Okay, not exposed, shy, but it's touching you somehow. Everybody like that? If it's not touching you, don't worry, it won't be as much. What's touching? Jesus cannot fulfill purpose without Judas. You might talk about meeting Judas at the end. Yeah? Titus 3, 1 to 8. Remind them, Paul is speaking to Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. That's why when you have a chance, to choose your ruler, choose him well. Because the ruler that can be used to rule straight lines can be used to conk your head. <laughs> Just telling you. <laughs> Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Next line, what does it say? To slander or speak evil of no one. To, to slander or abuse or speak evil of no one. To avoid being contentious. To be forbearing, yielding, gentle, and conciliatory. And to show unqualified courtesy towards everybody. You see that? 
Look at someone say it's hard. Unqualified courtesy. That means this guy is a rude dude. Like if there was a dictionary of pictures, his face would be next to the word rude. And God said, show the person unqualified courtesy. He says, speak evil of no one. Death and life and the power of the tongue, they love shall eat the fruits thereof. All right? Speak evil of no one. So be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior to what men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he did what? poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ the Savior that having been justified by grace we should become what? According to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to all men. Somebody say amen. Someone is going to be like so if somebody is a thief should I not say he's a thief? You must say that. Jesus looked at the, at the Pharisees and what did they call them? What did he call them? Root of vipers. He was not speaking evil of them. He was describing who they are. To speak evil of somebody is to impute upon them a negative attribute that is not founded. Or to label their entire lives based on a singular expression that may not be them. Because sometimes the side of people you experience is based on the state they are in. So if you find water in a freezer, you will call it ice. But if somebody, and you find it boiling, you will call it gas. Steam. But if somebody has proven their character time and time again, then, and you know them to be liars. Paul said the Cretans are liars. Right? He's the one speaking here. And you know them to be that that's not speaking evil of them. Are you guys here? Some of you look like you're in a trance. You're thinking about how to apply. <laughs> yeah? So I, I need people to understand that. It doesn't mean, ah, you see, it's, ah, that guy is a very nice guy. In fact, hmm, if we give you money, we'll keep it for you. You're not lying. Yeah? This is important. Let me clearly explain uh, three things. How do you relate with people? Number one, relate with them as God would. That's the first thing. Relate with them as God would. How would God deal with them? Love. A lot of people, when they think about love, it means don't punish people. It means don't address issues in their lives. But that's not true. God loves us and he addresses issues in our lives. Hebrews 12, if you read the earlier verses, he says, a father chastises what? A son that he loves. So chastising people is an expression of? The word says foolishness is in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it out. So there are two dimensions of correction from love. Number one is the word dimension. 
The other one is the Lord dimension. God's preference is to correct you with his word. But if you don't get it with the word, he will give you the... You'll remove the W from it. Rod. Look at somebody say, leave by the word. So you don't have to feel the rod. So so expressions. One is mercy. God's mercy is predicated on his love. True or true? The second thing is judgment. God's judgment is also predicated on his love. Let me give an example. You hear that somebody you know, schoolmate, got raped. Good girl, pure, decent, chaste, not playing around. Even if she was doing all of that, right? But she got raped. How many of you feel angry when you hear those kind of things? Some of you feel angry. It has finally happened. You feel angry, right? How many of you feel like crushing the person's brain? What part of you is speaking? <laughs> it's true. You've, you've already taken a step ahead. Not for who? Do you understand? Judgment without love is being vindictive. Judgment based on love is being redemptive. So you can't really have effective judgment without love. Otherwise, that would be vindictiveness. So as a human being whose heart is not entirely pure, you are still angry. So how much more will the holy God who's never told a lie, never committed any sin? Do you know how much he has to judge that? That's why Jesus died. Because sin is such a big issue. God destroyed the body of a son on the cross because sin was destroying the lives of men. So he joined them with a full weight of punishment. Now, don't forget what Hebrews says, that those that despise the sacrifice of Jesus, he said there is nothing else that God can do but for them to face the wrath. Many of you look so contemplative this morning. Are you thinking? How many of you are thinking? You're sober. This service was very exciting. Don't worry, you get excited again. Don't, don't lose this foundation. It's important. Love you, but I've not been taught. So the justice of God or the love of God does not mean that there is no justice. The love of God does not mean that every, every sin has no consequences or that anybody can do anyhow. Let me show you a couple of things. Proverbs 23, 6 to 14. I can't read the whole thing. Proverbs 23, 6 to 14. But around verse 13 it said, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Do not withhold correction from a child. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Let me tell you what. If you don't beat him with a rod, he might die. Because this thing that he's doing and is becoming opinionated about and is getting away without consequences, one day he's going to drive himself to death. Why do you think there are speed limits? Because they know if you don't limit man, he will destroy himself. Our friends who used to drive very wild, we know one of them, used to drive fast. And one day his car wound around a roundabout on Lekki. 
And since that time, we used to joke, right? We used to play hard. I don't want to mention any names. Calm down, calm down. One day. So, God doesn't just allow you to do this, that, and the other, push you all the way there to carry on your stuff. If it needs to batter your body to save your soul, it will. I will show you. How many of you have read that portion of scripture when Paul said, I have handed him over to the devil for the destruction of his body? That he sold, some people cannot repent until they go to jail. Can I preach? The certain guy that is going to go to jail very soon, that guy, sure, either he goes to jail, goes to the hospital, he's going to do time somewhere. Oh, yeah. And it's part of love. You know that there's a beating of love. How many of you had mothers who were not called pastors, reverends, bishops, but they were in the fivefold ministry? A.K.A. Abara. impartation resetting brain since 1706 <laughs> let me read this to you 1st Corinthians 5 1 to 13 1st Corinthians 5 1 to 13 here's what it says moreover if your brother sins against you go and tell him so see them as God sees them right the second thing is take responsibility for that space of the relationship. I'm not saying take responsibility for what they did. Take responsibility for that space. When you take responsibility, you become a share, a stakeholder in the reconciliatory process. In other words, what could it mean? Talk, discussion, correction, feedback, supervision, coaching, mentorship, intercession, perspective. Sometimes people are misbehaving, but they don't know they're misbehaving. So they need, you know, have you ever had something on your dress? You were carrying it around. You thought you were a baby in your own mind. But there was one wall gecko. This happened to some of you before. You know some of you passed out and they had to... Oh boy, you know some of you have eaten insects before. In your dream. And then you now woke up and said, an angel fed me with manna when I was... know that but someone said oh do you know that there is something on your back and all of a sudden you're like oh I didn't know that because sometimes we don't see that gaps in our lives except through the eyes of other people so whilst you think this person is just rude and nasty and difficult and obscene it's because nobody has ever sat them down to converse with them and to diagnose the roots don't forget the roots is always below the surface so there are people who are extremely handsome but they are ugly in their attitudes because there's a root of bitterness that has not been exposed to the light, that's not been dug out with a double-edged sword of the Spirit of God, and that's not been dealt with and replaced with the seed of God's love. So in your mind, you're like, this person doesn't like me, this person's always difficult, this person's insensitive, but it's because they don't even know what they are doing. Spiritually blind, emotionally blind. This is, moreover, Matthew 18, 15 to 17. So 
take responsibility, try to reconcile, diagnose, and all of that. Remember, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. How? Between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, what should you do? Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, everyone may be established. We've turned this to prayer, supports scripture. It applies, but the original context is reconciliation. It's not, Father, I have this word from Isaiah, and I have this word from Psalm. These are two words, and my own word is the third one. It says, if he refuses to hear, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. In other words, don't have intimate dealings with him. So, loving people does not mean they have to be intimate. Because some of us, we think that intimacy is love. For God so loved the world that he, for God so loved who? in John 15, he said, if you do my father's will, Anna, my father will come to dwell with you and we shall do what? Love him. Come on, people. Ever read that? I wish I had time to go through all the references. John 3 says, God's already loved the world. But Jesus now says, there are some people who now experience a different kind of love. give an example earlier. You don't love your girlfriend when you love your wife. There are different levels of commitment. So someone who has changed her name for you and you've changed her body for her perhaps has a, dif a different dimension of commitment. So it looks like God loves certain people more than other people but Jesus already told us why. He said if you do my commandments I will love him. That means there's a layer of love that is unlocked through obedience. When Abraham offered up his son, God said, now I know. God did not say, I think. It's like probably. He said this man, something he waited for for 25 years. He has put it on an altar and is about to kill it for me. This guy, you're going to be the father of everything. So now I know that. So many of us have given our commitments to people who have not opened don't enter into covenants with people you don't know. Oh my goodness, my cousin is around. Let's celebrate Mr. and Mrs. Yemi Adegu. It's amazing seeing you. Amazing, amazing. Yeah? So don't do that. He says, let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 20. At what point do you cut people off? Because you must cut people off, shouldn't you? Or you don't think you should? Jesus said this. When I say cut off, I'll explain what I mean. I don't mean kill them or please. I mean you don't become intimate or they don't enter into the deepest part of your life. So Jesus loved the world, right? He called apostles. They didn't love the multitudes, 5,000. He fed them, right? Because he that loves, he nourishes and cherishes. We started that in first service. So he loved the multitudes. Did he take the multitudes everywhere? Out of the multitudes, how many were in the upper room? Upper room? 120. Did he take the 120 everywhere? When he sent them out in twos, the first missionary journey, how many did he send? 70. Did he take them everywhere? Out of the 70, were there 12 disciples or not? Did he take the 12 everywhere? 
out of the 12, he had Peter, James, and John. Out of Peter, James, and John, who was at the foot of the cross? John. He didn't say to Peter, Peter, take care of my mother. He said, Peter, my solo, you my this Peter, he will over talk and forget my mother. He said, but John. John was the one that used to lay on the heartbeats of Jesus. Literally, would incline. He must have been a, a touchy guy like me, because me, I'm laughing now. They're touching me for America. Say, Lord, please don't touch me. Right? Must have been like that, because he leaned. Because the people you can entrust with your destiny are those who can hear your heartbeats. Crowds don't hear your heartbeats. So Jesus, who loved the world, when they wrote in the book of John, he said the disciple whom he loved. What do we mean? So there are depths of love. And some of us gave our bodies to people that did not love us at all. But the light was, if you love me. Actually, yeah, that, that's... So there are people who are in trouble today. The reason you're in the kind of trouble you are relationally is that you've made commitments you cannot keep. You told her I will never leave you. And you didn't know her. You didn't know she was a witch. Crazy girl. The day you did not pick her call. Why? Like, you know, I was busy. So your work is busy. That busy is better than me, right? Better than me. Can I talk to somebody? So we committed too early. That's why in an organization for many of us who run business, many of you are emerging business people, don't be quick to hire people. Test them with internship. Test them with contract. Before Kenny started working with me, she had volunteered of her own accord. She did not know I was observing the way she was handling things. I will know what you will do in a paid role when I see how you handle an unpaid one. You understand that? So some of us who got print card, CEO, you, you started a business, but you are giving somebody card CEO. Very soon you will see EO. <laughs> Finances. The word says that Jesus <laughs> committed himself to no man. That's why when, look at this, that's why when he died, the Bible says, and he gave up his spirit. He says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirits. Imagine if Jesus had told somebody, hey, you, please keep my body. He might have turned it into, what's that thing called? Tourists. <laughs> Museum. I can assure you, if many people knew where Moses' body was buried, they would have monetized it. Right? So, at what point do you separate? So the third thing is sift and separate people. God, at the end of it, is going to sift and separate. When do you separate? Not immediately, but at the end of a cycle. So, you give people space. Always separate at the end of an age. Jesus is going to separate sheep and goats at the end of the age. Remember, when it sowed good seed and an enemy sowed tears and they were going to say, Lord, let's clear it off. Do you know why? Sometimes 
your greatest allies will come across as your enemies in the first contact. So one of the things we want to try to do is discern and test. Is this person like this or did this person just come across as this? Because depending on when you see them, you can think Peter and Judas are the same. Didn't Judas deny Jesus? Peter denied Jesus? What was the difference? What's the difference? Now, why is the rod of correction important? If you don't correct people with punishment or consequences, they will destroy themselves. Jesus knew, watch this. Do you know that Jesus knew that Judas was a thief? Because when Jude, when the woman, the Sina woman, as the Bible refers to her, came with the alabaster box of oil, pours it, perfume, the word says it was one year's worth of perfume. Think about your annual salary. Put it inside a bottle. Yeah? Got perfume, poured it on Jesus. Judas, ah! Our Father, the only way I don't shop, nourish. I want to shop out of this money now. That was what he was thinking about in his heart. The word says that God knew, Jesus knew that was a thief. That's why he was saying it. Because he was saying he should have given us this money, so we'll give it to the poor. Do you know that still today in ministries, people steal money? It is not always proof of the inefficiency of the leader. They stole from the ministry of Jesus. So there are some people that are thinking, if God is really there, they will not steal. No, Jesus was alive and somebody was stealing his money. Sometimes how your life turns out is not a function of the teaching you hear. It's the yieldedness of your heart to the words you're hearing. Sometimes. The issue in Matthew 13 was not the seed. It was the soil. So Judas, if he had had that annual, you know how people steal? The bigger the money, the more they can steal because they can hide it. So Judas saw money being poured as oil. He said, ah, if they had put this in the treasury, I would have cornered my own 10%. <laughs> yeah? So sift and separate. Do an audit of your relationships. There are people I laugh with, I smile with, but I can never call them when there are deep secrets in my heart that the Lord wants me to birth or there are things I want to work on. It's not pretense. It's sifting and separating. Jesus ate even with Judas. Are you getting this? Because some of you, you have fired your Peters and you have promoted your Judas. Sift and separate. Number four, discern people by the spirit of God. Discernment is key. It says the word of God is living and active and sharper than what? And double-edged sword. And it pierces. Listen. One of the ways you discern people is pierce them and see how they respond. What do I mean by piercing? Do something they're not expecting. Rebuke them in a way and see how they'll take it. Don't give them. You really don't know a person until you see them not having what they really want. To know people's character, withhold something momentarily from them and see whether they'll be angry. 
there. So discern people by the Spirit of God. And number five, there's always go to Titus chapter three, chapter three. That's what we read there. And look through it to govern your attitudes towards them. Look through them to govern them. Before I, I can't take so many cases, maybe I'll take one or two. But let me just put this part. Your body and your life is reflected through the temple in the tabernacle. In the temple, you had what? The most holy place. You had the holy place and you had the outer court. The holy place was also the inner court. And then you had outside of the temple. What did you have outside of the temple? Bogwero. Who did you have in the the outer court? Sir? People that came with what? Don't spend too much time with people who are not coming with anything to sacrifice. Anybody who's coming into your life and is not willing to sacrifice time, attention, attitude, you know, people say, this is the way I am. You have to accept me that way. That attitude is a one in sign. Who are those that enter into the inner court? Priest. What's the inner court? Your soul, the realm of your mind. Who are the priests that they will go to light the lamps and to trim the lamps? Anybody you're going to have mental exchange and intercourse with, let them be people whose minds have been illuminated by the Spirit of God. There are people who read blogs right now. Blogs written by people whose hearts and minds are darkened. And you're a believer. And you're saying, I see what they're saying. How won't you see? Because even if your eyes are working, if you stay in the dark for too long, your people will dilate to accommodate the darkness and call it light. And the most holy place is only one person. One person that is like you so the deepest part of your life should either be your wife because you're one your partner your wife your husband or someone who represents the priesthood of Christ in your life which in case should be a pastor or a spiritual leader that's the person you can strip all of yourself to except they're very 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 few friends listen if you have two or three friends that can entirely understand you, grasp the dynamic workings of your mind, even when it's functioning on the frequency of perversion sometimes. And they can still love you, cover you, and you have done well. You have two or three. Because people cannot handle the complexity of who you are. You're so complex, sometimes you don't understand yourself. So you think difficult people understand you. I want us to keep these things in mind. Has this helped somebody this morning? Then don't keep outer court people in your inner court. Some of the outer court people, they're just fun and entertainment. Let's go and see the movies and all of that. But people you pray with, you must be more clear. Teach me about something. There is something in my nose and it's not the anointing. People that you pray with, people that you relate with. Because some of us, we put, just because you you vibed around the same novels. Ah, this person loves, give me those names now. Sidney Sheldon, Franson Rivers, pardon, hardly chase, but the person can hardly chase God's call on their life. Thank you. Excuse me. 
close the Bible, I'll not let you go until you bless me. So, just because you liked people, there's a difference between preference and purpose. The people you prefer are not necessarily the people of purpose. Some of you, you're looking for a man that you prefer, but God wants to give you a man on purpose. Stay up for some.
because your presence is with us in the difficulty of our relationships, difficulty of our circumstances. We're not going to figure it out with our feelings, our emotions, our temperaments, our decisions. We're going to navigate this complex maze of dealing with people with your divine wisdom and discernment. I pray for everyone who's in pain right now. Everyone who's feeling assaulted and harassed. And there's a fresh importation of wisdom. Oh, I wish somebody would say a bigger amen. A fresh importation of wisdom to deal with difficult people, difficult circumstances, difficult scenarios. I pray that the balm of Gilead will run into the cracks, into the spaces, into the crevices, into the wounds, into the gashes, and bring healing in this moment. Father, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Healing is our experience. Bless you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.